You are listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. Top of the hour, our final hour along the network. Miller and Moulton, thanks so much for being with us. Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Our poll question, it's National Pig Day. It's also National Peanut Butter Day and a lot of other things. But in honor of the pig, bacon, ribs, pulled pork, or pork chops, what's your favorite? Bacon running away with it. And I think that's just lazy. I mean, do you really go out? Hey, you know what? Let's go out for bacon tonight. Does anybody ever say that? Maybe in the morning they do. Uh, You know, we're going to talk. Marlins and get in depth with Kyle Seeloff, their radio voice. But Kyle, first, uh, first off, welcome. Hope you've had a great off season. Hope spring training's going well for you. How you been? Uh, I've been very good, guys. Thank you for having me on. It's very nice to be back on with you guys again. Okay, bacon, pulled pork, ribs, pork chops. You can only have one. Where are you going? Oh man. Um... I think I love breakfast more than anything, and I actually just finished about six too many pieces of bacon over here in Tampa <laughs> uh, at the hotel before we go play the Phillies today. It is true. The, you know, the, the breakfast buffet can really have you overload on bacon. There's no doubt about that. Um, the Marlins, they're loaded at pitching. Do they have enough bats? Um, how much time do you have? I think that's a really good question. Um, no, well, you know we got 11 I, I, minutes. Go. <laughs> All right. Look, I really do think that they do. Um, there was some misconception this offseason that a, a lack of big spending and acquiring free agents meant the team was not going to be good. And I simply don't buy it, guys. Um, and I'll tell you why. They lost Jorge Soler with 36 homers, and that's a lot to bear. And they've got to make up for that. They also have a full season of Josh Bell and Jake Berger. The time, uh, the the age-old question is, can Jazz Chisholm Jr. stay healthy? But if he can, um, that's a massive boost, and there's going to be some power there as well. I think you have to start with the power um, because I think that's probably the biggest question mark, but I feel very comfortable in that regard. They've acquired Tim Anderson, who not long ago won a batting title with the Chicago White Sox. Luis Arise, first player in big league history last year. Win the batting title in back-to-back leads and leads, excuse me, in back-to-back seasons um, with Bell and Berger at the corners. They've upgraded a little bit on the catching front. Folks that I've talked to rave about Jesus Sanchez and Brian De La Cruz and another leap that they've made in their young careers. Um, couple them with Jazz, they kind of flank Jazz in the outfield. I think they have a really strong bench. Um, yes, this team has offense. This team has pitching. And the expectation in that clubhouse, even though it might not be the expectation on the outside of the media is that these guys will go back to the postseason this year. Well, I hope the clubhouse is right. If I were to say, as Tim Anderson goes, so go the Marlins, would that be unfair? Because I don't think it is. Because I think if he's 2021 Tim Anderson, you guys are going to be a wild card team with that pitching. But if he's 2023 Tim Anderson, you ain't making the playoffs. Um, I hear you. I, I, I hear that. I, I, that might be a touch aggressive for me because I don't think he, they're going to be solely reliant on him. Now, to your point, if he puts together something comparable to what he did a couple of years ago 
it's going to put them in an amazing place. But it's probably a little unfair to place it on him in terms of, let's see, you know, if he goes, they go type of deal. But I totally understand what you're saying because, again, they do need to find a little bit more offense. Um, I've said this a couple of times, and I, I don't say this, I don't think this is an exaggeration. Marlins in, in recent seasons, going back to, I would say, a Danny Echeverria in the early 2010s. I've had some guys with great gloves. I thought Miguel Rojas should have won a gold glove a couple of years ago. But if Tim Anderson hits a little bit, guys, he will be the most electric shortstop the Marlins have had since Hanley Ramirez. Now make of that what you will, but I think that's flat-out true. The ability to hit and the ability to field. Marlins really haven't had that, that kind of dynamic you know, coupling, you could say, at that position um, in a very, very long time. So I think it's probably a little stretch to say as they go, or as he goes, they go, but I absolutely 100% understand what you're saying, and he's going to provide them with a massive boost depending on how he plays. Well, I tell you, you're, I think you're right to say as he goes, they go, but I, I'll say this. The type of season he has, that's the type of season the Marlins will have. I, I just think that he will be representative of, if he has a good year, I think the Marlins have a good year, uh, et cetera. I don't think he's the stir. I just think that we'll be able to compare the two and that they'll They'll be similar. Kyle Seeloff, the radio voice of the Marlins. Follow him on Twix, which is Twitter slash X at Kyle underscore Seeloff, S-I-E-L-A-F-F. Kyle, where are your biggest concerns on the team then? Um, that's a big question. Um, I, you know, I, I think everybody's gen- general concern is always the health of the starting pitching. I think the Marlins are super fortunate in that um, – they have a lot of depth in that area this season, even without Sandy Alcantara. But I think it's not even so much a concern, but you just you, you hope that guys like Braxton Garrett, Jesus Lizardo, and Yuri Perez can stay healthy. Um, Jesus Lizardo has put himself, to me, into that category where he's going to get paid $200 million. I think he's that good. He is an ace. He is an ace. There's no ands or buts. Um, I just hope he stays healthy. I hope all these guys stay healthy. I think that's always the biggest concern. Um, I really don't have a whole lot of concerns offensively. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to tell people this is the 27 Yankees by any means, but, um, you know, I think they're going to be fine offensively. I think they're going to prove people wrong that they have more power than folks might say that they have. Um, I, you know, I, I think the general concern is always just the health of the pitching because you see it every year. Some team will get decimated by it and high expectations go out the window quickly. It's not easy to come back from, Pitching injuries, no matter how much depth you have, I do think the Marlins have good depth. How about my biggest concern would just be the health of the starting pitching staff. What if I were to say to you, Kyle, they went 35-17 and 17 in one run in extra inning games last year, which was damn near the complete opposite of what they <laughs> went in 2022. So my fear is, you know, that's what, 52 games. Let's just kind of split the difference. That's six, seven, eight wins in one run extra inning games that they won't have this year. So to me, when I look at the team, I'm like, so they lost Solaire and they got to probably be better because there's no way they match that one run record from last year. So I'm looking at the Marlins right now and going, if you guys won 84 games last year, I'm saying 77 this year, unless you improve. Is that harsh? Um, no, because I, I, I would like to think it's harsh, but I, I, under, I also understand totally 
what you're saying. It's hard for me to push back on the notion of all the one-run victories and all the – I think they had 44, 41 come from behind wins as well. I don't have it in front of me. But, um, yeah, I think that there will probably, to your point, be a little bit of a, a regression to the mean, you could say there. Um, you know what? Like, every season is different. Every team is different. This team, they prove that they have more power than last year's team, right? And, you know, they might they might win games more handedly. And, and the one-run win department – you know, might not play as much of a factor. So, I, yes, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. I don't think they will have as many one-run victories, and I think they'll fall back a little bit there. But that does not mean by any stretch that they can't progress instead of regress um, in other areas to kind of balance that stuff out. I think this is a very comparable team to last year. In fact, I think they have more depth. I think they have a chance to be good. I really, really do. Offensively, when I look at Chisholm, to me, that's another catalyst. If he stays healthy, you, you talked about health the starting pitching. They they need health everywhere, but Chisholm has to – is this a – I don't want to say make or break year, but this is a big year for him, isn't it? 100%. There's, there's no doubt. And, again, make or break a little too strong potentially like you suggest. Um, but it's – it's it's uh, can I say it's teetering on that? It's uh, it, it's there with him, right? Like this is important. It, it's, it's time for him to go. He played in 97 games last season has proven that, uh, unfortunately, he has not been able to stay healthy. Uh, that's got to change. There is no doubt about it. That absolutely 100% positively has to change because he is a massive, integral part and kind of, you know, a piece of this thing. Um, there's power there. There's 30 homers there. There's 25, 30 homers. There's 30 or 40 stolen bases. There's really good defense there. That, that's a guy that can score runs. And, um Again, you know, we go back to all these one-run wins last year. Maybe that maybe they're not in that position. If Jazz can stay more healthy this year, he can create runs single-handedly. I love the kid; he's great. I think he's the National League version of Byron Buxton. When he plays, he and they are good, but he misses a yep. lot of time. All right, final question, Kyle. So we got to know Kim Ang. We liked her. We thought she did a good job. She's not back. Peter Bendix is the new uh, head honcho. What do we know about him? Mm-hmm. Um, he comes from the Tampa Bay Rays, where they are in a very similar spot financially to the Miami Marlins, and you're going to see that style of baseball operations runnings happen in Miami. I think they will have to make tough decisions, but they will ultimately be the right decisions. You saw for years the Rays would trade guys at the peak of their value. With multiple years of team control left, they would swing massive deals, and they did that to not only improve their farm system, but immediately improve their big league ball club as well. Uh, that's what you're going to see. He is a people person. He thinks it's important. You've got to have good people around you before you can have a good baseball team. Um, he's a great man. He's been a lot of fun to talk to. He's very, very humble, very sweet, very, very kind. And, damn, he knows the game. He knows it really, really well. He knows what he's doing. And I will say this, he has a lot of conviction. He's not stuck in his ways, but when he knows what he wants to do, he's going to do it. Um, and you have to do it uh, in baseball in a bit of a brutal manner and in an emotionless manner. And he's going to do that, and it's ultimately going to benefit the Miami Marlins. Kyle, it's great to talk to you again. All right. Have a great rest of spring training. Hopefully we can talk right around opening day. And uh, all the best. Continued success. All right, guys. Whenever. Love chatting with you. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. Kyle Seeloff, radio voice of the Miami Marlins. Follow him on Twix, Kyle underscore Seeloff, S-I-E-L-A-F-F, Kyle Seeloff. 
That's what it is. It's spring. There's a lot of hope. Damn right. We're going to be better than last year. How about that? You two. You two t- talking like we don't have enough offense. We have a better offense. He sold me. No. He sold me. I'm not going to lie. I love your comparison with Chisholm there. That's ex- that's so right, David. Because if they get 135, 140 games out of Chisholm, that, that's, a big that's huge. Huge is right. Yep. Just like with the Twins, they've had 100 games from Buxton once in seven years. Miller and Moulton. Talking a little baseball. I'm getting the baseball package. David was pulling over, listening to MLB Network Radio yesterday. We're all in. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. Twenty-one minutes past the hour. Thanks for being with us on this Friday, first day of March. Ah, uh, baseball starts in three weeks. At least the Dodgers and Padres in Korea. The madness. Selection Sundays. It's the seventeenth. So you know we're like forty days away from the Masters, something like that. Forty-one days away. I mean, you know, it, uh, come on. David, you've mentioned it a couple times on today's show, but the one-bid league week is awesome, and that's coming up. That's almost just as good as that first weekend of the tournament. Selection Sundays on St. Patrick's Day? It is. Wow. Do you guys remember? Corned beef and college basketball? Yep. This is spectacular. You could be so hammered (laughs) that you may not mind that your team (laughs) – had their bubble burst. Well, we've had a lot of St. Patty's Days where it's the first day of the tournament. And yeah, that's is- overload. Remember a couple of years ago when, David, they were playing Rutgers. Notre Dame and Rutgers were in the first four. And it turned midnight. And it turned to St. Patrick's Day. Right. And Notre Dame won in overtime because they, right. <laughs> the band got to play the fight song at midnight. And the leprechaun did the jig. I was just I text my brother, I'm like, Rutgers has no shot. No, it's it's over. <laughs> right. Had to win by eleven fifty nine. Now they're they're in trouble. Yeah, right. Exactly. If you believe in that sort of thing. But Mark and I have talked for years that see, this is great for the sports bars. They can have a big say. You hated it when St. Patrick's Day was on the first day of the tournament or whatever. You're like, they're going to do gangbusters the first day of the tournament. You want the local establishments to be able to get both. Exactly. And this is good for us. We can get snockered over the weekend, and we've got three full days. You know, we'll just stay home for the play-in stuff. You know, Dayton, we can watch that on True TV from home. But then, you know, we got three full days till noon on Thursday. I'm so fired up to watch the first two days of the tournament with Trent. I I truly am, because he – he has a smile on his face all the time. He's a he's a happy kid. But when we bring up college basketball, and you've noticed it too, David, talk, talk about anything, Trent's in a good mood. You bring up college basketball, a gleam. A gleam, men. And so I am I told Trent, he's coming over for Thursday and Friday, noontime, might even get Felipe over because I know Felipe has Thursdays and Fridays off, and I'm going to get the two kids, and I'm going to watch hoop as long as I can with them. So you're not going to, like, go out? No. Oh, 
I, not Why? Only, not only am I going to take Mark up on this, I might even bring over my TV so that we can have three screens instead of two. We already have three. Well, then we'll have four. That's Now that, that could happen. You got a game every 15 need, minutes. I was going to say you need four. Yeah, that That's the reason why I thought you might go out because you do need, you know, we got four games going on at the same time. Well, Mark's least favorite thing about streaming, this the, the inability to flip back and forth quickly, that hurts you during March Madness. Well, I'm well, guessing YouTube TV, though, will have all four. I mean, I'm guessing yeah. you're going to be able to do the multi-view picture, and watch picture. all of them yeah. on oh, there. We'll figure so. it out. I can't wait. See, I thought you guys might, because our original producer, John, first day of the tournament, John and I, that was our thing. So now, in which we would go out, and there was a local establishment that had a plate of 50 wings. And so and, and so we would do, we were an afternoon show then, but we would do a 10A to noon show right into Westwood One's coverage of the tournament. We would race over to the establishment and order 50 wings and a pitcher of beer before the first tip of the first game. Oh, that sounds awesome. And so I thought, I'm like, oh, my goodness, Mark and Trent are going to do this. This is great. Well, and it would be similar to now if you were going to do the same thing with our old producer because Trent eats like a bird. If we got 50 wings, I'd have 48. He'd have two. Exactly. Probably. Same thing with our old producer. Now he's lost so much weight. If you went out with him, it'd be 48 and two with the wings. Yes. I, he may go as high as four. I mean, it'd probably be 46 to four. And Trent, trust me, when Miller and Moulton decide we're going to eat wings, we will eat 46 wings. Without okay. a doubt. Without a doubt. What sauce? What Are you guys Buffalo or? Uh, David's sweet? mild. Da- okay. da- David's mild. <laughs> da- they don't. <laughs> It's nothing too but, hot, but for, might, but for that many wings, burn. But for that many wings, I'll be like, I want mild, I want medium, I want barbecue. Okay, now I'm I'm going to mix it up here. Charge me whatever you got to charge me. I will say, the closer the games are, the better for my over under on the wing total because I I will nervous eat the wings when the games get close. Speaking of eating, it's National Pig Day. Which part of the pig do you like best? Right now, bacon getting 53% of the vote. Ribs is second, pulled pork third, and pork chops a distant fourth. Go to that, Mark Miller, the David Moulton, or FL Sports Network on X to vote or floridasportsnetwork.com. We moved in an hour because Pat joined us. Pat Kerwin, that is, joined us in the 7 o'clock hour this morning in case you missed it and want to download that. But it is time now for our Molly Made Play of the Day. Trent, what do you have for us? We go to the NFL Combine. I'm kidding, of course. We're not. <laughs> I got to well, keep you Dallas guys. Dallas Turner ran a 4-4-6 off the edge, baby. <laughs> David was about to fire me on the spot right there. No, um, no, no. I'm like, oh, my goodness. He's got Hoover in him. Wow. No. Look, Mark, I thought, look at the damage we've done in four months. <laughs> <laughs> but rather, it's becoming a bit of a staple. The Florida Panthers, are the, the war machine just keeps turning for those guys. We go to Sunrise. Panthers hosting Montreal Canadiens. And despite a pair of goals from Sam Reinhart, we got overtime and then a shootout. And it was Anton Lundell who delivered the extra point. Anton Lundell looking to give the Panthers the extra point. Lundell in on Montembeau. What a move and let's go home, baby! Beautiful goal. Took it left, completely froze the goalie, had the net wide open. Uh, the over-under was 6.5, so Vegas was on the money there. Panthers win it 4-3. to three. And, Mark, they'll take on our wings tomorrow in Hockey Town. 
won't miss that one. ABC game tomorrow, actually. That's the yeah. nationally televised game between the Panthers and the Wings. That's the play of the day brought to you by Molly Made 774-5839. That's 239-774-5839. And give your spouse the gift of a clean house. Don't you have to be happy for Goldie? All those years doing the Panthers, 85 people watching his broadcasts. Okay, all the work he had to do. You know, all the excitement he had to keep up when they were having 74 points and missing the playoffs and all that. And then they start making the playoffs and they lose in the first round. And it's like, when are they ever going to win a series? And now, now he's doing play-by-play for maybe the best team in hockey. And unlike the Bostons and the Torontos, because they are still, there may be some internal pressure, but there's no exterior pressure from the market, if you will. There are no Panther fans going, oh, they don't win the cup. I'm done with this team. <laughs> right. Well, I'll tell you what. They don't get to the finals. Paul Maurice has got to go. Right. I mean, there's none of that. So there's no external pressure at all on this team. In fact, I think, could we still, or has he been around long enough now? At what point do you think we could stop winning bar trivia if we asked people within 20 minutes of the arena who Paul Maurice was? Oh, no, I think we'd still win a lot of bets with that. Okay. Do you think if we were walking around Sunrise before they were walking into the game and we said, hey, who's Paul Maurice? I think if we were walking with Paul Maurice and asked people, (laughs) who is this, they wouldn't know. It'd be great, man, on the street if you could get Paul Maurice. Okay. Was it uh, Letterman? Who was it the one year who had Matt Harvey? Yes. To a man on the street in New York about Matt Harvey starting the All-Star game. It was hysterical when the warriors first got good back in like 2015 they did man on the street interviews there with all the california people and they're like who's your favorite warrior and they're all just like curry (laughs) they don't like the fan base hadn't really caught on yet it's a good thing they didn't say weber or hardaway i mean please could have been worse i guess yeah rick barry i mean you know nate thurmond (laughs) that's a nice pull right there really is goodness he's 24 years old shout out Nate Thurman nice um well our final segment of uh, the week along the network is coming up we have no idea what we're going to talk about so stay with us you're listening to Miller and Moulton exclusively on the Florida Sports Network 22 minutes till the top of the hour, our final segment of the week, and we're now into March. It's awesome. Baseball season gets underway. The madness begins in what? I mean, we don't count Dayton. It's it's fun. It's cute. You can bet on it and what have you. But, you know, Selection Sunday is two weeks from Sunday, and the madness begins three weeks from yesterday. There we go. Now we're talking. Next week is uh, one bid league week, basically. Little guys. You lose, you're done. Season's over. So much pressure on so many good Mm -hmm. teams. And even those that, well, they can make it if they get to their conference final. But, you know, we've seen it many times before, Mark, where the one seed gets beat in the quarters. And the selection committee goes, yeah, we can't put you in as an at-large when you lost to, like, the eight seed who was 11 and 19. But the whole 12 line right now, looking at Shelby's bracketology, 
App State's put together a 25-5 and five year. They're expected to win their conference, but there are no guarantees. Grand Canyon, 24-4. and four. Indiana State, who's had a really nice season. They've won 25 games. McNeese State's won 25 games. This is the 12 line. One of these teams is going to beat a five. If they can get in. Correct. If they can get in. I think it's McNeese State, by the way, that people are trying to make the case that they really should get in at large, that they're that good. That where they are in the metrics is so much higher where a team in that conference is can usually get to. That they're not an at-large based on the metrics. Usually you've got to be in the low 40s to get an at-large. And I think they're in the mid to upper 50s in terms of the metrics. But there are a lot of people in the sport who are like, have you seen them play? Have you seen what they've done? to decent teams, that's a tournament team. And instead of the seventh and eighth place team from three or four conferences getting that bid, you know, there are those every year, and usually Miller and Moulton are part of those that are like, got to be honest, instead of a league getting eight, how about you give them seven and you make sure Drake gets in so we can see DeVries' kid, who's phenomenal, play. Like, if they lose in the Valley final, I don't know that Drake's getting in because Drake didn't play much of a schedule this year. Yeah, you know why? No one will play them. They're good. They're experienced. Remember, they had Miami beat in the first round last year and choked it away and then missed shots late. They had Miami, you know, Final Four Miami, had them beat. They returned four starters off that team. I mean, DeVries, you know, coach's son, he could be Bryce Drew, to be honest with you. You put Drake in the tournament, DeVries could have two tournament games and carry them to a Sweet 16, and he could literally be Bryce Drew 25 years later. But the the talk is that they're not getting in. Unless they win, you know... Because it's Indiana State and, and Drake, right? Uh, yes. And, and I mean, really? I mean, do we – you know what's also come out in recent days, Mark? Some people are going after the Big 12. And they're saying, can we look at their non-conference schedule? Because if you take Kansas and a little bit of Houston out of the equation – the Big 12 has gamed the system, Mark. They didn't schedule anybody most of November and December. So they all got off to great starts. Well, once you get to a certain point, guess what you become? You become a quad one or quad two team. And then what's happens? Conference play. And you all so play now, one another. So you're getting all, all these quad one games. And more more importantly is you get the quad one losses. Yeah, the quad one wins are important, but when we start getting into these nets, it's just the quad games that you play, which is a little ridiculous to me. Right. And so instead of having, you know, there are teams out there that have a lot of quad three and quad four games on their schedule. They didn't game the system properly. Well, David, just to that point real quick, Houston, I'm looking at it right now. They're eight and three in quad one. Six and zero in quad two, and they played eleven quad three and quad four games. Obviously, didn't lose any of those. So they they did play eleven quad three slash four, and that's Houston, right? 
and and that's how they then made sure that you know they got off to the great and they were really good obviously they didn't have to play a schedule like that but this is part this is why also what Izzo does is so different from everybody else I mean Kansas will play just about anybody anywhere and always has right and 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 they're really good and he's a hall of fame coach and so they don't have to game the system but and some people are jeff capel of Pitt, very calmly and he said hey i i i coached in i coached five years at oklahoma it's a great league with great coaches he goes but look at what we did as a conference in November and December, look at who we scheduled and look at who they scheduled. And because of it, they're all quad one teams. And we only have like four quad one teams and a bunch of quad two teams. And now we're in conference play. We're not getting credit for what we do compared to what they're getting credit for what they do. And I think he then pointed out, was it, is it the ACC big 12 now? Yes. And he said, we went nine and three. In that tournament, how can we suck? And you look at, you know, because this was Clemson for all those years. Clemson started scheduling because they got put in that frame. And when it came tournament time, they weren't getting the bid because they didn't play anybody. They've changed their methodology. But it's interesting how there was the way to game the system with RPI, and now there's a different way to game the system with net. And you've got to figure out a way to play quad one and quad two games. And And it doesn't matter what you do with them. That's the part that drives me nuts. Right. Yeah, like you guys, like like Mark has alluded to, the net is so important to the people who – decide what the field is and what the uh-huh. rankings are. It's not the AP voters or anything like that. No. It's the net. No, I, I mean, like FAU's loss to FGCU. If FAU doesn't win the American, like right now, FAU loses in the semis of the American. We sure they're in? Yeah, they got the win against Arizona. They lost at FGCU. They have now, two quad four losses. Okay. I, I mean I don't know who the other one is, but I'm just looking at it right now. They're six and two in quad four. Oh, uh, they lost at home. Who was that horrible team that it came to them and they came from way back and, and beat them? Was it like Bryant College? I'll look like I'll look that? it up. I'll look it up. But I'm just wondering, are we sure FAU's in? Shelby has them in as of now. He has them. Right. As a ten seed, but but let's just say they. But that's don't pretty make... close. That but a ten seed's really close to when they lose a game, they drop down maybe to that eleven line. Now you're at the play-in category. Exactly, and let's just say FAU's in the semis of the American. Is that essentially their play-in game? Because they're going to be a two or a three seed. So in theory, they should get to the semis, and then they'll play a toss-up game. Is that the play-in game for FAU? That if they get to the final, Memphis I hope South so. Florida, if they get to the final and lose to South Florida, and they both don't get in, that would be a travesty. It really would. To take a Final Four team that brought everybody back had had to take everybody's best punch, played a good season, played a good schedule, also right. 
But what, didn't they get Arizona? That might be enough, right? Well, let, what people are saying is, is that the good win means more than the bad loss. Why? Not, now, for, not for South Florida. Well, no, I mean, because they lost to Central Michigan and they lost one other game to a bad team. And that's what everybody's holding over their head. That's why their net is what it is. I was going to add, though, however, you usually have to be established first. Okay. Or or not a mid-major. Because it seems as if they always hold the bad loss over the mid-major as opposed to holding it over the power five. Like RCB's asking, is South Florida on the bubble? No. no. They're not good enough, according to the committee, to be on the bubble. They're, in, they're not in the last four in. They're not in the first four out. They're not in the next four out. Yeah, they're not in the picture. They'd have to win the tournament, which is unfortunate. I'm with you guys. I hope he does just to stick it to the whole college basketball establishment. Unfortunate. It's ridiculous. How can you be in first place in one of the 10 best leagues in the sport and not even have a snowball's chance of getting an at-large bid to the tournament? I mean, I'm sorry. You got to think about what it is you're doing here. It just, it doesn't make sense. And basically the way, you know, FAU is the only FAU and Dayton and Dayton's not really, you can't really call that it, but FAU is the only mid-major team that is above the 12 line. To give you an idea, St. John's is considered pretty far out. Their net's 40. FAU's is 36. Well, St. John's is in the last four in right now, according to Shelby. Wow. One home win gets them, uh, gets them in, huh? That's well, interesting. the white suit doesn't hurt. <laughs> Teams we've mentioned, by the way, Mark, Drake 51 in the net. Princeton's 52. Remember, didn't Princeton go to the Sweet 16 last year? I mean, they had that major upset. Was it Arizona? Who'd they knock off last year early? It's a big upset. Or no, they... No, they took out Missouri in the second round. They went to the Sweet 16, Princeton did. And then I think UConn took them out. McNeese State, 55. Grand Canyon, 54. James Madison, 53. And these schools aren't getting in unless they win their conference. There's no way. And it's 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 disgusting to us. Care to take a guess as to where South Florida is in the net? 62. Higher. Give it to me. Yale is 84. South Florida is 85. Yale's a good team. They are. Ivy's good. The top of the Ivy's good this year. Cornell, Yale, Princeton. uh, Ivy is good this year. But South Florida's got a net of 85. Miami's is 88, by the way. So we are continuing to stick our chest out for the mid-major. 
and we're continuing to get shot. You know what sucks even more about it is they think that the way to fix this, quote-unquote fix, is to expand the tournament. And that is the most – it's not the answer. It shouldn't be the answer. That's oh. so lazy. Let's just put more teams in because, A, we can get more games, more TV revenue, all that good stuff. But then we don't have to – you don't have to hold our feet to the fire as much. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And every time I hear a national show go into a debate on how many teams they put in, I literally turn the radio off. I don't know. I'll still watch the tournament, but if they expand it, it loses a lot for me. A lot. South Florida's won 13 in a row. They have three regular season games left. Two of them on the road, including Saturday, they're at Charlotte. Charlotte's in second place, tied with FAU in the league. I mean, this is, but let's just say they extend the winning streak to 16. Then they win two American Conference games. South Florida could have an 18-game winning streak and be in the AAC final and have no chance of getting an at-large if they lose. No chance. No chance. Even if they lose to FAU, who will be in the tournament before they tip the game off. Because we have to put an eighth-place team in from a Power 5 league. Maybe even a ninth-place team. Have to. We will all be pulling for the Bulls in the conference tournament. Colorado, St. John's, Villanova, Gonzaga are your last four in right now, according to Shelby. Colorado, St. John's, Villanova. The Zags? Yes. They're that close? Oh, yes. Oh, have been for a while. They've actually, they were completely out of the picture. They've come on strong the last couple weeks. Well, that's why I'm surprised they're that close to the line. They're playing really well here the last two-plus weeks. Along the network, have a terrific weekend. Enjoy whatever sport you're going to take in. We'll be back bright and early Monday morning at 6 a.m. In the 239, the Diamond District Bonus Hour, that comes next.